Good morning. Please have your Bible ready. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'll begin with this question. What should our response be when Jesus says no? There is something you could do. Perhaps something you really are inclined to do. You are tempted to do it. It almost seems like a natural thing to do, but you discover or you remember in the Bible, Jesus said, no, don't do that. Well, faithful followers of Christ would react with restraint. If Jesus has said not to do something, say something or think in a certain way, his followers are all in to not do that, not say that, and not think that. With that in mind, I want us to listen to selected sections in Matthew chapter 6 to introduce the study. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, Jesus said, Don't publicize your prayers to elicit the praise of men for yourself. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So, based on these words of Jesus, I'm going to never use prayer as a platform to elicit praise for myself. Jesus said, don't do that. No. Next, in Matthew 6 and verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Again, it's clear Jesus is saying not to do this. Don't do that. So his followers will comply. Along with this, down at verse 24, don't try to serve God and money. God and money are not equal masters. Serve God, don't serve money. Jesus again is saying no. So we're seeing something here very simple. When Jesus says no to his disciples, we will give heed to that. We honor any prohibitions delivered by Christ. And with that in mind now, I want you to listen to Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Remember what we just talked about concerning our response when Jesus says no, and let's listen carefully. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right, did you hear the prohibition? Did you hear Jesus say no? In verse 25, verse 31, verse 34, do not be anxious. Do you know how this is worded? In the New International Version and the New King James, do not worry. Remember now what our response ought to be when Jesus says no. He says here, do not worry. Why is this so hard? Why do we have such trouble with this simple prohibition given by the Lord. Let's honestly think about that for a few minutes this morning. Number one, our problem is we sometimes define worry defensively. Sometimes as we go through the Bible, we are charged with a sin and we push back against the guilt. There is a passage that clearly identifies something we're guilty of, but instead of confession and repentance and change, the self-justifying part of us causes us to wiggle away from it, to redefine the word or the phrase so that we're not guilty. So when I read what the Lord said, do not worry, and when I read the same thing that Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and verse 6, if I'm not careful, I can immediately go through a thought process that defines me out of the problem. So I say to myself, what I'm doing is not worry. It's planning. It's forethought with wisdom. I'm calculating contingencies. Yet in reality, honestly, we're going way beyond legitimate planning and reasonable and wise concern. We are frustrated about something, maybe more than one thing, and we can't change it. Yet we get locked into this cycle of thought that just reviews some negative thought over and over again. And we feed that negative thought by letting it stay in our heads. And we revisit it every now and then. No spiritual good is accomplished by such. 
We have built a treadmill in our head. And in our thoughts, we just keep going while making no authentic progress or spiritual movement in a good direction. What I've described is such a waste. What Jesus said is, don't do it. He speaks of material needs to illustrate. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? So here's a case where you run that narrative over and over, apparently not in a thoughtful way about responsibility to work and provide, but you just keep browsing over all the possibilities of what might be happening what, what might be happening in the future when you don't have clothes or food. And that treadmill, however, does not provide food or clothing. It is wasted mental energy, and Jesus said, don't do that. It isn't easy to stop. <clears throat> like you have a switch that you can flip on the side of your head, but we can start by taking to heart what Jesus said. We can stop this thief of worry or anxiety from robbing us of a good mental state of wellness and spiritual vigor before God. Sometimes we forget that we are not prophets. In James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, You've heard this before. Come now, you who say, James is talking about a group of men, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? <clears throat> for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Sometimes what escapes us are the very simple things that we've acknowledged. We don't hold the future in our hands. This is not an argument against wise and disciplined planning. James calls this, that these men were doing, arrogance. Now, we have calendars and memos and schedules and maybe apps on our phone for wise planning. But we must always keep in mind as we process the future... Whether it's planning or anxiety, that we are not prophets. Not even close. Ecclesiastes conveys to the serious Bible student that we cannot know with certainty what is ahead. We are not good predictors of what will happen, even the rest of today. If the Lord wills is a conviction with respect to who is the owner of time. It's not us. We can guess. We can do some planning. We can hope. 
But we cannot know for certain what a day may bring forth. It is wise to be engaged in legitimate planning, but unwise to be frantic about it. I know these things are easy to say. Disciplined planning is different than frantic anxiety. God was a planner. Acts 2.23 says that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. While we don't have God's foreknowledge, he illustrates wise planning, but not with frantic anxiety. And that's the point I'm making. We do not have foreknowledge. We sometimes forget that we are not prophets. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 7 came up in Bible class recently. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else? what is to come. Number three, what this is all about in Matthew 6 is really our trust in God. Sometimes our trust in God doesn't run deep enough. Instead of trying to figure out what might happen, I need to concentrate on my relationship with God now. I need to get up every day and do what is right wherever I am. Whatever happens, whatever good days or bad days come, do what is right. Trust God with a heart that is faithful to His commands, loyal to His Son, and mindful of everything the Holy Spirit has written for our present good and eternal destiny. Jesus called this seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. While we are not to be blissfully ignorant of our physical needs and responsibilities, we know that we are not alone in dealing with life's daily needs. God knows what we need, Jesus says in our passage. Our trust in Him is fundamental to our contentment, our joy, our hope, one day at a time. And He is there every hour of every day for His people. Our response to His grace ought to be, we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm going to go back and read our passage in Matthew 6 again. There's something I found the other day written in my journal, probably not original with me. Pray more, worry less. Study more, worry less. Worship more, worry less. Serve others more, worry less. Follow Christ, worry less. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious." <clears throat> about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change prayer is a conversation you have with God about things he can change Trust in God, which means more than just blind <clears throat> reliance or occasional thought. Proverbs 3 and verse 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3 and verse 7, Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. And 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves under the hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time and cast all your anxieties on him. This helps me. I pray that it helps you. Let's be standing as we sing. <clears throat>